This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. We're going to open to Ruth. We're going to be in chapter 2 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you can uh, open up your phone or something that you have, whatever device you have, and and version Bible app is free, um, and that you can just download that now, and um, we're going to be using the Christian Standard Bible this morning. I, um, I was thinking about this whole book of Ruth, um, and it reminded me how much I enjoy watching romantic comedies. Maybe I'm the only man in here that does, I don't know. Um, ben, romantic comedies? Not so much, all right? <laughs> He gave a, he gave, not really. Um, I like a romantic comedy. I, Tiffany and I will watch them. We find, we find them. We, we enjoy, uh, we enjoy good ones. They, they really kind of have the same storyline in all of them. It's pretty, very similar to like Hallmark movies. I mean, it's a very, very niche genre for sure. But, but you know what it is, a, a good romantic comedy, uh, you know, girl meets boy. They're trying to spend the movie trying to figure it all out. They don't know what's going on. A lot of times he's charming. Maybe he's dopey, which most of them are, I guess. That's the way that it works. Uh, he's kind to her, but at some point maybe he disappoints her or she disappoints him or something goes on where there's some tension that goes on in there. Um, maybe she, you know, questions emerge in her mind like, this guy's a dope. Like, I don't think I can really do this. He, he's disappointed me in some kind of way. And so you just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, and then somehow at the end of the day, he kind of winds up redeeming it all and they live happily ever after. This is a romantic comedy and all the crazy stuff that happens in there, uh, it, you know, it, it happens um, in different ways and different kind of stories. And I'm here to say Ruth should be viewed as a romantic comedy. If you don't read Ruth as a romantic comedy, then you're not quite reading it rightly. There's humor here. I'm going to try and point some of that out. We've seen some humor already. We're going to see some more as we go. Um, and it really is um, a love story. It's a story of kindness and compassion and love and unexpectedness. And boy trying to meet girl and loving her and disappointment and not sure what's going to happen next. And at the end of the day, uh, there's, there's a, re a redemption part of the story that happens. And we're, we're going to kind of get into that because today's, uh, today's sermon moves on from, uh, in, in some ways, Naomi being kind of the main character, and now it becomes Ruth as the main character. But this is the story of Ruth. It's a love story. And in some ways, it's also our story. And we need to try and mesh the two, because in, in Ruth, we've seen so far that God is pursuing Naomi in love and kindness. We're going to see that more. Just as Boaz pursues Ruth in love and in kindness, just as God pursues you. And this is, uh, that's the sum, essentially the summary of the whole book of Ruth. It's, it's watching this pursuit of the characters by God or by Boaz and the, the parallel is you and me. And we, we want to we see that because kindness, a very specific kind of kindness, is the theme of this whole book. It's the theme of this, this whole ordeal, this whole love story, this whole romantic comedy is really centered on kindness. But it's not just 
small kindness, it's big kindness. And we're going to unpack that a little bit today. Even when, and listen, this is important for us, kindness, even when disappointments stop us from seeing the kindness. Because this happens to us. We, we get into situations where questions begin to emerge. Like a romantic comedy. Questions emerge. Is there kindness here? Is there love here? You ever been in a situation where you think, Lord, are you for me? Are you being kind to me? Did you forget me? Just like Naomi? Are we in this situation now, perhaps? Maybe you've gone through it recently where you've asked some of these questions. Well, here's my big idea this morning. Here's the sermon in the sentence. If I were to just sum it up, it's this. God's kindness doesn't stop even if we've stopped looking for it. God's kindness doesn't stop towards you even if you've stopped looking for it. Even if you've become so disappointed that you don't even look for it anymore. You just assume, well, I guess he's forgotten about me. And you wouldn't say that out loud because that sounds awful. And you'd be like, I'm not like that. But inside, we feel that way. And, and also, let me just make it clear. It's okay to say that out loud. The Lord's not offended by that. That's not a challenge to him where you're trying to stand up to him. It's an honest prayer sometimes, a lament prayer. Lord, have you forgotten about me? We saw that with Naomi last week. What are you doing? And here we're going to jump into chapter 2. The question is, what part do we play in this love story? As we think about Ruth, what part do we play? Where do we find ourselves in here? Uh, this is where we're going today. I have two points. God's kindness, I mean, Ruth's kindness rewarded and God's kindness remembered. That's where we're headed today. I'm going to read, um, beginning in chapter 1, verse 22, all the way through chapter 2. I am going to stop a, a few times to just give a little bit of um, context and background because we're in a situation here. This is the time of the judges. And some of the, the ways in which um, there's you know, circumstances and situations that they're going to be mentioning aren't necessarily familiar to us. So I just want to make sure as we go that we all understand uh, what's happening in this love story, in this romantic comedy. Uh, this is where we're going to go this morning. So Ruth chapter 1 beginning in verse 22 says this. So Naomi came back from the territory of Moab with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the Moabitess. Now, I want you to notice, it says she's a Moabitess a lot. All right, is it gonna, the, the author wants us just to know, hey, she's not from around here. She's a foreigner. He keeps mentioning this over and over. You're going to see it in this text. And they arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest, which is a clue to things changing. This is the beginning of the harvest season. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. He was a prominent man of noble character from Elimelech's family. That was Naomi's uh, husband before he, he died. Elimelech's family. His name was Boaz. Ruth, the Moabitess, asked Naomi, Will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone with whom I find favor? And Naomi answered her, Go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth left and entered the field to gather grain behind the harvesters. She happened to be in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. Now let me, let me stop here for a moment. There's an import, a couple important things. It's important to notice, and we see it twice, that, uh, that Boaz was related to Elimelech. 
There's a, a, a relation here, and we're going to see the importance of that later. But for, for the purposes of um, what's, you know, any future or any hope for Ruth or Naomi, that point that he is a relation on the side of Elimelech, it matters. We don't know why it matters yet, but it does. It matters. You need to remember, remember that. They are related. Okay, and I'm going to give you more on that later. I also just want to point out what Ruth is doing, because she's asking, can I go, it says here in verse 2, will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone with whom I find favor? This, this actually goes back to the law. This goes back to Leviticus. There was, a, there was provision that God made for people who are poor or foreigners or widows or orphans to actually be provided for through the land that God provided. Remember, God provided the land for the people. The land is God's land. This is God's land. And you know what else is God's? The firstborn son, also God's. There's a claim on the firstborn son belongs to me. The land that you're living on, that you're, that you're harvesting you know, your barley on or your wheat on, that's not yours, that's mine. I'm, I'm giving it to you, but that's mine. So when, so here's what we read in Leviticus about the harvest. This is important. Leviticus chapter 23, it's on the screen. It says, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and do not pick up whatever the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord, your God. This is, this is the law. So anybody in, in Boaz's field, in whatever field there is, Ruth's saying, hey, can I go out, according to your law, can I go out and follow behind the harvesters and pick up what they drop, what they didn't pick up because they're not allowed to, and I can pick it up and I can bring it to you because not only are we poor, I'm also a foreigner. I'm a Moabitess. So I'm going to come and I'm going to take the grain. Here's the barley. I'm going to take the barley and I'm going to bring it back. Can I do that? And Naomi says, yes, you can. Now, I'm going to say a little bit more of this later, but the question is, well, why didn't Naomi go? Because she could have gone too, but she doesn't. And we're going to see why maybe it was important for her to go, but she, she still didn't go. And so that's the background of what we have here. In verse 4, later, when Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, he said to the harvesters, the Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they replied. Boaz asked his servants who was in charge of the harvesters, uh, whose young woman is this? Pointing at Ruth. And the servant said, oh, she is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the territory of Moab. She asked, will you let me gather fallen grain among the bundles behind the harvesters? She came and has been on her feet since early morning, except that she rested a little in the shelter. So she is working hard. She's working hard for this. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, don't go and gather grain in another field. And don't leave this one, but stay here close to my female servants. See which field they are harvesting and follow them. Haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? When you are thirsty, go and drink from the jars the young men have filled. She fell face down, bowed to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor with you? So that you notice me, although I am a foreigner. Boaz answered her, Everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me. How you left your father and mother in your native land and how you came to a people you didn't previously know. May the Lord reward you for what you have done. 
and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. My Lord, she said, I have found favor with you, for you have comforted and encouraged your servant, although I am not like one of your female servants. At mealtime, Boaz told her, come over here and have some bread and dip it in the vinegar sauce. So she sat beside the harvester and, har- harvesters and he offered her roasted grain. She ate and was satisfied and had some left over. When she got up to gather grain, Boaz ordered his young men, let her even gather grain among the bundles and don't humiliate her. Pull out some stalks from the bundles for her and leave them for her to gather. Don't rebuke her. So Ruth gathered grain in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gathered, and it was about 26 quarts of barley. She picked up the grain and went into town, where her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought out what she had left over from her meal and gave it to her. Her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you gather barley today, and where did you work? May the Lord bless the man who noticed you. Ruth told her mother-in-law, whom she had worked with, and said, the, man of the, na- the, the name of the man that I worked with today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May the Lord bless him, because he has not abandoned his kindness to the living or the dead. Naomi continued, The man is a close relative. He is one of our family redeemers. Ruth, the Moabite, said, He also told me, Stay with my young men until they have finished all of my harvest. So Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, My daughter, it is good for you to work with the female servants so that nothing will happen to you in another field. And Ruth stayed close to Boaz's female servants and gathered grain until the barley and the wheat harvest were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. We see this barley harvesting taking place. We see Naomi not going with her into the fields, which if you, if you were paying attention to the story, you recognize it wasn't necessarily a safe thing to do. Way better if there were two women that went together. But she's alone, and there was clearly some sort of danger in some fields of being uh, perhaps abused, taken advantage of. And so Naomi didn't go, and I I think what we can look at why Naomi didn't go is because Naomi is in such a state of not seeing God's kindness, despairing, just she is, like we talked about last week, so zoomed in, she is not able to zoom out and see other things that she is essentially giving up. She's stopped looking for the Lord. She's not even looking for what he's doing. She's not looking for goodness. She's not looking for encouragement. She just says, just go ahead and go. You ever feel like that? I just, it's just another day. Like, I don't know. I got nothing else. I just, yeah, go throughout your day. It doesn't really matter. Maybe sometimes you as parents feel like this if the, your child's asked 17 times. 16 times is fine. 17 times you're like, okay, whatever. Wait, wait, what'd you ask me to do? Play in the street? No, no, don't do that. Never mind. I didn't mean to say yes. Um, we, we have this thing sometimes where we get so just tired that we, we have a hard time seeing outside of it. And this is uh, where Naomi is. But Ruth, she goes. And she goes to the field of Boaz. Now remember what I said last week, if you were with us, that in the, in the book of Ruth, names are really important, especially when it comes to the romantic comedy part. But names are really, really important. We saw Ruth's name 
meant friend. Naomi said, my name means sweet, but call me Mara because I am bitter, because God has dealt bitterly with me. And here we have Boaz. Boaz's name means, means in him is strength. This is the name of Boaz. This is what this means. And Boaz comes, in terms of fulfilling his name, he comes alongside of Ruth, and he becomes both the protector of her and the provider for her. As she comes into the field, he is both protector and provider. And he's showing her this inordinate amount of kindness. This is this, is this kindness. You can see Ruth, she's surprised. She's saying, why have I found such favor with you? And I want you to point out, he is doing what the law is requiring him to do. He's allowing her to be in the fields. He's allowing her to find the, the corners and the edges, and he's allowing her to follow along and gather the grains. But what we want to see is he's not just doing what the law requires. He's not just doing what he's supposed to do. He's actually going way above and, and way over what's even required of him. He's saying, hey, listen, why don't you uh, come, you know, ha- hang out with my servants. She's not a servant. She's a foreigner. Hang out with my servants. You're, you're safer here. Hey, I told all my guys, nobody touches her. Nobody's going to harm you if you stay in my field. Stay with me. Don't go in someone else's field. I want you to stay with me. Hey, come, come eat with me. Dip, dip, your, dip your bread here. Let me have some bread. Dip it in the vinegar next to me. Let's spend some time together. Let's talk. Hey, and then he says, hey, guys, here's the deal. I want you, when you're gathering the, this, this grain, I want you to actually pull out a bunch of stalks and just, just leave it. Let's just, hey, it's just between us. Let's just pretend you dropped it, but just leave it because I want her to get it. And then he gives her food and he says, take it home. And he gives her all of this to go home. He is going in his kindness towards her above and beyond what is required. There's something here that we have to understand if we're going to understand the, the, the whole book of Ruth. And I, I want to point back to something here, that this kindness, this over and above kindness, actually mirrors Ruth's over and above kindness to Naomi. She didn't have to, she didn't have to go with Naomi. She didn't have to come into to Israel and say, I forsake my gods, I'm going to have your gods, I'm going to forsake being a wife because I want to be a daughter of yours. She didn't have to do any of that, but she went over and above in her kindness. She's showing this amazing amount of kindness to Naomi, and I want you to notice that the reason, really the first reason, besides time out, the fact that this is kind of a Hallmark love story, and so maybe he's got some like, hmm, this girl's got like, okay, she's working hard, I like that. She's single, apparently. I like that. Maybe she's a looker. I like that. Here's Boaz, right? He's trying to figure out, okay, maybe we got something going on. Besides that, the reason he's showing kindness to her, it says, is because he heard of the over and above kindness that she displayed to Naomi. And he says, you deserve this. Now, let me just say, there are times that the Lord works this way. We, we display the character of God. We show kindness. We, we have his character in us. It's just, we just say, yep, I am going to demonstrate this to you. And the Lord turns that around and just blesses us. You ever experienced that? This isn't like a health, wealth, prosperity gospel kind of thing where I go, okay, I'm going to do something and God's going to bless me. No, it's just in our everyday life as we live out the image bearerness of who we are, God says, all right, all right, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you. And sometimes this takes place. It takes place with, with you. Here's what she left with. Not only just this impression of this man who has shown her an inordinate amount of over and above faithful kindness and love. But she also leaves with what equates to an ephah of barley, which I know you all know what that is, but I'll just explain it. Um, it's about 50 to 75 pounds of barley. Now, think about this for a second. You ever go to Costco and you try and pick up a dog food, like one of those big dog food things? Yeah, I don't know, that's 35 to 50 pounds. You're, you're picking that thing up. She's carrying 50 to 75 pounds. I mean, she's been working out like she's lifting. You know, she's got, she can carry this, but she carries it home. This is, this is, this is weeks worth of food that she brings to Naomi. And it's because of the kindness of Boaz who's got some eyes for her. And he's leaning in towards her. I like this woman. And as she uh, comes home and talks to Naomi, there's a light bulb moment for Naomi. You ever have light bulb moments? You ever have a moment where something's going on or maybe somebody says something, you, you had something in your mind and someone says something and it's an aha like, oh, wait a second, I just put two and two together. Maybe if somebody says, hey, don't you know that's so-and-so's brother or sister? You go, oh, yeah. Oh, that doesn't even occur to me. Like, that's a light bulb moment. Like, I didn't realize, I didn't put those two things together. I didn't see that before, but I'm seeing it now. Naomi's about to have a light bulb moment because she's going to see and remember the kindness of God, which is my second point, which is God's kindness remembered. Ruth's kindness was rewarded God's kindness was remembered. Naomi is stunned when she walks in. Where, where were you working? I mean, she's coming home late. Where were you working? And, and in whose field did you find favor? Clearly, you found some favor where you were able to go and gather the barley. Where in the world were you? And uh, Ruth says, yeah, I, I did find favor. And the field, the guy's name that, that I was working in, his name was Boaz. And this was like a dun dun dun, like a like a light bulb goes off. And you can see it in Naomi's response. Can't you? Like her response to this is one of not just like, oh, that's cool. Hmm. I don't know who that is, but all right. Verse 20 says, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May the Lord bless him. But she doesn't just stop there. I want you to notice she uses uh, the, the Yahweh, all caps name for the Lord, the one who is merciful and gracious, uh, abounding in steadfast love. This is who, may the Lord, may this one bless that man because, look what she says, because he has not abandoned his kindness to the living or the dead. He has not abandoned his kindness, because this man, Boaz, it says, is one of our family redeemers. He's a close relative. We saw that in verse 1. He's a relative of Elimelech. He's a close relative. He's a family redeemer. And we think, all right, that's another thing. Like, what is that? Because we don't totally know what that is. We don't have that in our minds. What is a family redeemer? How are we supposed to think about this phrase? What is this? We've heard the name redeemer before. I think, but it's always relating to something that's not this. So here is a, a family redeemer. Well, 
Here's what a family redeemer is. A family redeemer is a close relative that is meant in the law to provide protection uh, in some ways or provision in another way for somebody close in line who has either lost uh, their land or has not had children. It's lineage and it's land. What I mean by that is there's, there's two ways a redeemer works. And I have from, from Leviticus 25 here, I have it on the screen for you. This is the law in terms of talking about redeemer, and this is the land. Verse 23, the land must never be sold on a permanent basis, for the land belongs to me. This is the Lord saying this. This is his land. You are only foreigners and tenant farmers working for me. Now, let's just stop here for a second. Let's just think what the Lord's saying. I've given you this land. This is mine. This isn't yours. You're, you are a foreigner here. This is, this is my earth. This is, this is me. I am showing kindness to you. Therefore, when you, when you go into this situation, you can't sell your piece of land permanently because I've allotted land for you. I've given it to you. It's not yours. Maybe this is a correction for some of us as we think about our own possessions. Because I wonder if the Lord would say to us, that car, that's not yours. That land that you have, the house that you have, that's not yours. That's mine. I, I've given that to you. We, we see this here in verse 24. With, the purchase, with every purchase of land, so if you do have to sell your land, you must grant the seller the right to buy it back. If one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty, this is Naomi, and is forced to sell some family land, which they apparently did, then a close relative should buy it back for him. If there is no close relative to buy the land, but the person who sold it gets enough money to buy it back, he then has the right to redeem it from the one who bought it. This is what that means. That's a lot of jumbly things. Here's what that means. If I were to sell a piece of property in Israel because I was poor and I needed money, whoever bought it would be required by the law to allow me when I had the funding to buy it back. It's not permanent. And it goes on to say that even if I couldn't buy it back, there's a year of jubilee, which it all starts back over again. And so I get it back then. So I'm getting it back at some point. Okay, something happens here where I get to get it back because the land is not theirs. The land belongs to the Lord. He allotted it. It also, it also means, in terms of the family redeemer, that if there is a, a, a son or a, a man who gets married and does not have children and that man dies... A close relative, brother-in-law, somebody that's close, can come in and marry the woman, provide her a child, and that firstborn child will be in the lineage of the, the, dead, the dead man, the dead relative. Now, that sounds weird to us because we're like, wait a second, what about the woman, right? She sounds like a piece of property. Well, you have to remember, the woman in this case, if it was Ruth or Naomi, they have zero future, none. This actually just isn't meant to be like, okay, um, this, you know, this woman um, now just gets to, I guess, have sex with a bunch of relatives. Like, what is going on? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Is it her choice? What's happening? No. He comes in and he marries her, provides for her, protects her, cares for her, and is her husband. It's a way to protect the lineage of the dead man, relative, and to also protect and provide for the woman, to not leave her destitute. This is what it is. This is the law. This is what the law is for the Redeemer, both lineage and land. 
God is, God is providing something for them so that they can have it. And we see that Boaz is a redeemer. It just so happens, take a look back early in the text, in verse 3. Notice, Ruth left and entered the field to gather grain behind the harvesters. Uh, she happened to be in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. That phrase, she happened to be, that's a comedy line in Hebrew. Now, I don't speak Hebrew, all right? I, don't, I can't even read Hebrew, all right? But there's a lot of smart people that can, and I took classes with it. The, Ian Duguid, who's a commentator, says the actual phrasing there is a chance chanced, which in our language would just mean, and it just so happened. Or, and wouldn't you know it, she lands in Boaz's field. Meaning that she didn't just happen there. God brought her there. God is orchestrating all of this for her and for Naomi. He, he has not forgotten them. And one more question is in verse 20. The Lord said to her daughter-in-law, may the Lord bless him because he has not abandoned his kindness to the living or the dead. The question is, who's the he? May the Lord bless him because he has not abandoned his kindness. Who's the he? The he that she is referring to in her light bulb moment is not Boaz. It's the Lord. Oh, wait a second. May the Lord bless Boaz because the Lord has not forgotten because the Lord has not abandoned his kindness to me. He's remembered me in all of my grief, in all of my complaining, in all of my forgetting about him. The Lord has remembered me. This is a light bulb moment for her. He has not abandoned his kindness. Now, let me say a word on kindness because if I said earlier, if we don't get kindness in this book, we miss a couple things. One, the point of the book, that's bad. We don't want to do that, all right? In our sermons, we want to make sure we get the point of the book, all right? It's the kindness of God. It's more, more than that. We don't get God. If we don't get this word kindness, we miss who God is. And this is so important, church. Listen, if you are trying to discern and determine who God is, maybe you're not a Christian here and you're like, I don't know who God is. I'm about to tell you who God is. If you're in this uh, congregation right now, if you're, if you're part of this church, you are the beloved of the Lord. And, and if you don't understand this part of His kindness, we're going to miss out on so of who he is. Actually, we're going to read our Bibles wrong. We're going to relate to him wrong. We're going to see circumstances wrong. This word kindness in Hebrew, again, I don't speak Hebrew, all right? So I'm not even going to say it with all the stuff in my life. I don't know how to say that, all right? Because it has that in here, okay? I'm not going to say that. The word is hesed, H-E-S-E-D. That's the word kindness. It's the same word that's used when it says merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in chesed, steadfast love. It also is the word for mercy when it comes to God. Mercy, steadfast love, kindness. We don't have a word in English that actually can really describe what this means. 
It means an over and above kind of kindness. One that goes way above what is expected or required of the person. And it's used most often to describe the character of the Lord towards us. Let me give you two definitions. I think this is important. These guys are both theologians. Uh, The first definition here is from a guy named Daryl Bach. He's an Old Testament theologian. He said, Hesed, this word, is wrapping up in itself all the positive attributes of God. Love, covenant faithfulness, mercy, grace, kindness, loyalty. In short, acts of devotion and loving kindness that go beyond the requirements of duty. And Ray Clenenden says, The word implies a relationship between two people in which certain behavior was expected. When someone went beyond what was required or expected, showing special kindness, love, mercy, etc., that was hesed. That's what that word means. So if we think about our own uh, understanding of Ruth so far, Ruth has shown the hesed kindness way over and above what was required or expected of her to Naomi. Boaz has shown this chesed kindness to Ruth way above what was expected. There was way more than what was expected. And the question is, what part do we play here? You know what part we play here? All of this, this whole book of Ruth, every single portion of it, this chesed word, this kindness word, is God's way of saying, look at Ruth's kindness. Look at Boaz's kindness. This is chesed kindness. And this is the kind of kindness I'm showing to you. You want to understand the love of God, the steadfast love of God, the, the kindness and mercy of God? It's a chesed kindness. He goes, way above and beyond what we even should expect or anticipate. This this whole understanding of the character of God is wrapped up in a lot of ways in this word. You know why? Because when we read the book of Ruth, and I want you to listen carefully, when we read the book of Ruth, it is a Cliff's Notes version of the storyline of the whole Bible. We, we, we need to look at Ruth and say, this whole thing is actually a, a shortened version, an easy-to-understand version of Genesis 1 through Revelation 22. It's the despair of the people who have left the land, can't see it. This is Adam, you know, Adam and Eve were pushed out because they, they couldn't be there anymore. They've left, been left out, and God has consistently shown his loving kindness, this has said kind of over and above love patient, enduring love to his people for thousands of years, all the way into the point where the the Redeemer has come. And he has redeemed a people for himself. Jesus redeems a people for himself. He gathers them together. He says, I am going to be the protector and the provider for my people. Those that have no future, those that have no hope, they have nothing to offer, they can't do anything I'm going to come alongside just like Boaz. Boaz is a redeemer, and Jesus says, Boaz isn't the only redeemer in the story. I'm the redeemer. And I'm the redeemer who's going to come and demonstrate through my perfect life and my death 
and my resurrection and the sending of the Spirit and that I'm never going to leave you or forsake you and that I'm promising to be with you forever. I will give you a future and a hope. It's not to harm you. It's here for you. I am going to do this because my character is rooted in my chesed love, not just for the people of Israel, but for Anchor Church and those in it. Christian, we are, the, we are the recipients of an amazing amount of love from God. And sometimes we can't even see it. We don't even know where it is. Because sometimes it doesn't feel like we want it to feel. Or it doesn't look like we expect it to look. Sometimes God's kindness to us, like we see in Naomi, it takes a long time for us to see it. Sometimes even so much that we've stopped looking for it. But this love, this is the actual rootedness of the character of God. I mean, he, he says it and when he declares who he is, steadfast love to a thousand generations in Exodus. Here, here's who he is and this is who he is to you. Do you wonder, has God forgotten about me? Maybe it's just one circumstance after another where you just feel like you've been beaten down kicked in, you don't know what's going on, just like Naomi. Ten years of wondering what God's doing. And yet here a light bulb goes off. Christian, may it be that a light bulb goes off for you, where you, you can see clearly again, even in the midst of dif difficulty that I'm walking through, the, the kindness of the Lord has not left me. Because Jesus said, I'm not going anywhere. This is a joy that comes from knowing him. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you're wondering, what, what does it mean to know him? You know what it means to know him? It means to have somebody, not just somebody, a king. No, it's not just a king. The creator of everything, who is ruling everything. It means having him come alongside you and say, my steadfast love is on I mean, who doesn't want to have the most powerful being in the universe saying, let me love you the only way I know how. Even when you can't see it, I'm for you and I'm with you and my kindness is over and above what you can even think of. This is what it means to know him. This is what it means to know him. It's just trusting that he has died for you. Listen, church, God's kindness doesn't stop even if you've stopped looking for it. It constantly is at work. He is moving because that's who he is. And Ruth is going to help us see it in chapter 3 and chapter 4. We're going to see it's not just that he's kind to her, Boaz. And it's not just that Naomi's seeing kindness. It, it is an over and above kindness. We've referenced it. The whole, every sermon we've had, we referenced it again. The ones without any hope wind up in the lineage of King David and King Jesus. Those that couldn't have, didn't have children had nothing. All of a sudden, they find themselves abundant in blessing. This is how God works. Let me give you one live it out point. This is it. Okay, and it's just a call for you. This isn't even a do anything. Because living it out isn't always about steps to take to do something. This is simply about you remembering and resting in God's steadfast love and kindness, the said word towards you. That's all it is. Remember who he is. <sighs> Take a deep breath. 
sit back and remember, God loves me. God loves me like Ruth loved Naomi. God loves me like Boaz loved Ruth. God loves me when I see Jesus dying for me. This is what it means to live it out. And sometimes we have to do this in community. Sometimes it's done in community. Actually, a lot of times it's done in community. Because you know what? Naomi couldn't see anything. And it took Ruth to come to her and, and help her understand. It took Boaz. One of, our, one of our values is being passionately one. Tyler said earlier, one of our ways to get connected is to live in groups. And that, those are huddle groups and community groups. I would encourage you to live in community. Find some help here. Listen, God's kindness doesn't stop even when we stop looking. Julie, I'm going to have you come on up. Our, um, our view of God, our view of circumstances, your view, let me talk about you, your view of what's happening in your life, your view of what God may or may not be doing, your view of the disappointments and discouragements, I think can be adjusted based upon the view we have of the Lord. We either think God's a punisher who's just out to get us, or if he's not out to get us, he's, you know, he, we think about, well, all the stuff that I've done in the past, and he's probably just, it's just his repayment. Or we think about it and say, well, God's loving me because I know that's who he is. He delights in me. He loves me over and above. Let me, let me just view my life right now in, in this light, through this lens. And I think as we, as we do that, as we see him that way, and as we're going to finish Ruth, my prayer for you is that it's not just about looking at him differently. It's about actually seeing him for who he is and seeing you for who you are, which is one who is beloved of the living God. His love and favor, his said kindness is on you. May we feel it, may we see it, may we know it. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us and we'll sing. Lord, our, our hope this morning is you. Show us your love and kindness, how good you are to us, how faithful you are to us. Lord, you, are, you have been kind to us. You will be kind to us. Show it to us, Lord, this morning. Show it to us this week. Lord, be with us. We ask this, Jesus, in your holy, precious, loving, kind name. Amen. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.